0: Good morning church. Thank you again for allowing me to be back with you. Uh, we uh, were with you several weeks ago and shared our hearts for what was happening in Iraq and how God was leading us there. And we're just so blessed uh, by the response from your church. We felt so overwhelmed and encouraged. Uh, many of you have reached out to us and we're so grateful for that. Thank you for upholding me and Rianne and our kiddos in the midst of prayer um, you truly are displaying what it means to be church crossroads. So thank you for that today. Unfortunately, my family wasn't able to come, but they have released me to spend time with you. They're a little jealous. Uh, The kiddos love coming down and playing and skipping rocks at the beach. And Rianne is just, this is a place of rest for us. So thank you. You are a big piece of what makes this restful for us. Before we get going, I just want to pray. Uh, pray for you and pray that the Holy Spirit would just move in our midst today. So Lord, we ask Holy Spirit that you would come. Lord, in the midst of times uh, and working through fear, Lord, we just ask that you would put our fears aside so that we may hear, hear from your word, hear from your scripture. And Lord, in the midst of all of what's going on, we just ask that you would continue to reveal yourself in new and profound ways to us. We pray for crossroads, Lord, wherever we may be today. Lord, we just ask that you would be with us and in our midst. Uh, you would be a part of our fellowship, Lord, we ask in your precious name. Amen. So we're talking about being fearless. I think I'm, we, as we prayed, this is a great and timely summer series to be working through. And I think uh, as we go outside and start to enjoy the sun and this, this beautiful ocean air that you have up here on the Sunshine Coast, of which I'm jealous and envious that I don't live here. But we'll park that for a second and just say, uh, sometimes in days like today, it's easy to forget what's going on around us. And I think that's okay. The other day I went for a walk in the forest and uh, it was just me. I found this spot that I knew wasn't a busy trail. And in preparation for today's sermon, I just wanted to spend some time with the Lord. So uh, we had this beautiful moment of just walking through the forest. The trees were all around this path I knew was quiet. I could hear the wind in the air. And uh, I was just Walking, And I came to this corner and there was a man walking towards me. Uh, and it was just him and just I. And I nodded to him and I noticed that he was wearing a face mask. And I thought, whoa, here we are in the middle of nature. Here we are just him and I. And there's this element of fear that's here. And now hear me church. I'm not saying face masks are bad or anything like that, but it was a, just this stark reminder for me that, it's still here, that it's pervasive within our culture right now. We are very quick to look around at what's happening in the news, uh, to look around and see the virus and the numbers, to see the economic strain, to see in less than 100 days now there's going to be an election to the self. And we see all of the effects and the geopolitical things that are happening. And it's very easy for us to be fearful in the midst of it. And I think it's great that this is the series that you're working through right now. Because now more than ever, I think in our current modern history, uh, we are a fearful people. But I do want to say that this element of fear has been with us from the beginning. Fear first entered in right there in the garden of Eden. As soon as Adam and Eve plucked that fruit and ate of it and disobeyed God. There was an element of fear. Fear and shame. They hid from God. They'd had this beautiful time of just like I was doing the other day of walking through the forest with him. But even more so hand in hand. And suddenly because of the recognition of what we've done. Fear entered into the earth. And since then, God continues to call us, His church, back to a place of courage, back to a place of being one with Him. In fact, He calls us so many times, 365 times, that we actually have a, vo- a verse for every day if we so chose continually calling us back to this place of courage. Now I said 365 times. Some of you may be those fact checking types. I will say I found that on a website. You can go and check it. I know there's lots, but bear with us. Please don't email me after this if I was wrong. <laughs> but today what we're going to do is we're going to park in Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah chapter 35, to, And we're going to have a look at what the Lord is saying through the scripture here. So if you guys want to pick up your Bibles with me and look at Isaiah chapter 35, verse 4. The word of the Lord says, Say to those with anxious and panic-stricken hearts, be strong, fear not. Indeed, your Lord will come with vengeance for the ungodly. And retribution of God will come. But he will save you. Now, some translations, it depends on what Bible you're working from today. But some translations will say, those with fearful hearts. Tell those with fearful hearts. Mind says, panic stricken. The message even goes one further and says, those with fearful souls. This is some profound imagery and deep gripping fear. And I think it's important that we have a quick look at the context for what is happening here. Why is Israel gripped by this fear? And to that point, how if this fear is so deep and gripping, how are they going to move beyond it? So, Let's look at context. For those of you that know me and have heard me preach before, you know that I love to look at what's happening in the text. Let's look at the historical context. Let's look at what's happening culturally. Let's look at what's happening geopolitically as well. And let's start first and foremost with Isaiah. Who is Isaiah? What do we know about him as a person? What do we know about him as an author? Well, we know that he was an Israelite. We know that he is likely of noble birth. How do we know this? Uh, Because of the vocabulary that he uses all throughout his writings. It's rich and profound. And also because he's given the audience with kings. So these are the kings of Judah at the time. It's important to note that right now, After Solomon's reign, Israel, the tribes of Israel are split. There's the kingdom of Israel in the north and the kingdom of Judah in the south. And Judah is where Jerusalem is, which is where Isaiah is writing from during these times. We know that the time period is roughly 740 to 680 BC. So that's before Christ. We know that Isaiah is a prophet. Some would even go as far to say he's the prince of prophets. He is quoted by John. He's quoted by Luke. He's quoted by Matthew. He's quoted by Paul and he's quoted by Jesus himself. Indeed, when Jesus proclaimed his public ministry, he used a passage from Isaiah chapter 60 to speak out. It is the long prophesied time of Jesus's reign of Jesus's proclamation of public ministry. So what's happening during the time of Isaiah? Well, I mean in short, it's war. Judah has been at war with all of its neighbors. It's been at war with Israel to the north, it's been at war to the Palestinians. There is a season of conquering kings. And there is this great behemoth of a nation that's rising up called Assyria. In fact, Assyria is growing stronger and stronger. It's sending envoys. It's, it's conquering nations. And to the north, the kingdom of Israel uh, has recently come under attack from Assyria. Assyria has taken a lot of the Israelites away in captivity For those that are remained they are forced to pay a tax. Every member is forced to pay 50 shekels of silver. It is a time of fear for the nations. And yet God is speaking to his people in the midst of now if we look at the circumstances of what's happening and if we see these nations rising up to conquer from these threats coming from around, we probably can empathize with what's happening. So in the midst of circumstances and in the midst of being so overwhelmed, we have to stop and think, what, what are we called to? What is our hope and our desire in the midst of these moments? You look at Isaiah chapter 34, and there's this picture of doom and gloom of the nations falling in this lead up to this verse. And it's overwhelming. It's catastrophic. It's almost apocalyptic. That word. But God is not beyond those circumstances. I remember we. Found out that we were having twins. Uh, and then, whenever it's time, Rianne's water broke, and we went off to the hospital, and we thought, all right, here comes babies. And uh, naively, I just thought that was the process. It was going to be quick and easy and painless, and out comes babies. No, that was not the case. Uh, and my poor wife labored and labored, and then actually had to go in for an emergency C-section. And I remember the lead up to that time and just going, how do I support my wife well in this? How do I show her or put on a brave face for her? I shouldn't say show her because inside I was fearful. How do I display confidence for her in the midst of that? And I remember that God was so gracious in that. And as she went in, uh, Liv came out first and was placed on her and we celebrated. And there was this, in the midst of this pain and There was just this beautiful moment. And then Addie came out and again, this utter joy of we have two healthy babies. And the next day as Rhian was resting and I was in the NICU and watching the doctors and nurses work and they were just, they were doing their thing. And there's a lot going on and it would have been easy to be fearful in that moment with all the tubes and the beeps and the machines. And, and yet there was something about the doctors and nurses moving in a way and speaking with such confidence that gave me confidence. Until there was this moment where the doctor came in and a nurse said something to him. And he went right over to Liv's incubator and he opened up the lid and he pulled his little stethoscope out and he put it on her very tiny heart and listened and then listened some more and listened some more and then stepped back and closed the incubator and turned to me and said, well, Brent, um, don't be nervous, but we've Liv has a heart murmur uh, and we have to, I'm going to make some calls Uh, And I'll call children's hospital and and we'll see where to go from here. Uh, But I don't want you to worry. We're right here with you. And I thought in that moment, Oh boy, (laughs) don't worry. Don't be fearful. Here's my brand new little blessing laying here right beside her sister. And she's got a heart problem and you're telling me not to worry. And, And I started thinking through all of the realities of the situation. Who is going to stay here? Do we all go as a family? Do, Do I stay with Addie? Does Rianne stay? Rianne can't really travel right now. She just had surgery. So maybe I go with Liv. And in the midst of it, I just remember this moment of peace. Of just be still. I remember Rianne wasn't there at the time. And I remember walking to the room and. And having to tell her this. And just saying to the Lord. "Ah, (laughs) This is big. And I need your help. And I think in the midst of the circumstance. That's about as much as I can muster. Of a prayer. And yet he was so gracious. And long story short. We did. Liv and I ended up heading off to the hospital, children's hospital and going through all sorts of tests and riding in the back of an ambulance. And I shared with you before that the long story of that is, is peace and healing. And this beautiful testimony that my daughter will have to tell, but I didn't know that at the time. And Israel didn't know what was going to happen at the time, but they had God's word through the off of Isaiah. Let's go back to that. Isaiah 35 verse four. Again, it says, say to those with anxious and panic stricken hearts, be strong. Fear not. Indeed, your God will come with vengeance for the ungodly. The retribution of God will come, but he will save you. Now, I imagine, and I don't want to draw too many parallels here, but I imagine that Israel's hearing these words and going, How? How do we trust? How do we know? These nations are rising around us. Assyria is coming to sack us. And have you not heard what's come out of the kingdom of Israel? How do we be patient? How do we be strong? How do we fear not? There is so much in this passage that requires us to put our trust in the Lord. When God calls us to be strong and courageous, as I said before, He doesn't say "strong and courageous. be strong and courageous and, and leave us there. It's not like He pops into the room and says, "You got this? Be good. I'm going to go over here, but be strong." No, the beautiful thing is in the midst of this, that our God, the God of Israel, the God of Judah was there. He was with his people. His hand was very much active. There was nothing outside of his control. There's nothing too big for our God. Whether it's nations rising around us, whether it's medical concerns in our own lives, whether it's a coronavirus or an economic pandemic or whatever it may be. There is nothing that is beyond the control of our sovereign God. But how do we put this into practice in our own lives? How do we know and how do we trust in the midst of circumstances that he does indeed got this? How do we trust that? there's this storybook Bible that my daughters got on their dedication day. And it's called the Jesus storybook Bible. And it's this beautiful story all taken from the scriptures that point clearly to the way in which God is working out his plan and is going to bring about a savior. And there's this verse that goes all the way through it that they use and it's called God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. This theme of God's love carries through from the moment in that garden when Adam and Eve were fearful to walk with the Lord and paints all the way through to the time of our Messiah coming and dying on the cross for our sins and is very much still active in our lives now through his residing Holy spirit with us. Our God is not a God that walks away from our circumstances. He enters in our circumstances. He joins with us and he speaks comfort and peace to us in the midst of it. Church, where are those times in your life that seem like the circumstances are out of control? Where are those times where you've seen in big ways or small ways that God's shown up? I think for us as a congregation, it's important for us to tell the stories. I tell the story about live, not to say that, look at me, I was so brave in the circumstance. No, that's not what testifying is. Our testimonies are meant to point towards what God is doing. And every time that we, he steps in and does something miraculous. Every time he puts the nations at bay. Every time that he heals a heart, every time that he does any little thing in your life with a clear fingerprint, we're supposed to testify. We're supposed to encourage. We're supposed to affirm and show the church that our God is an active living God, and he is with us, and he is for us. Church, I want to leave you with that today. Our God is active in your life, and he wants the best for you. He is not beyond our circumstances. He is not beyond our pain and suffering. He is with us in the midst of it. Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you that from the moment sin entered the earth, that you have been working to restore, that you have been working out your never ending rescue plan and you haven't stopped. And Lord, we're just so grateful that through your Holy spirit, you continue to reside with us, Lord. And we look for that time when our coming King comes back but for now, Lord, we rest in the fact that you are good and you are with us, that you have saved
1: us. Thank you, Lord. In your precious name, amen. Blessings on your church.
2: Greetings, church. So good to be with you. Brent, I uh, can't thank you enough. Thank you for the investment that you're making in us. Thank you, uh, Brent and Rianne for sharing part of your family story. We are so excited for you guys. And uh, we are just praying blessing and provision in these days of preparation before you are on the field. And something that's really exciting, uh, church, uh, we're in the midst of, of talking with Brent and Rian about what it looks like to, to join them uh, in a more intentional way. And so we'll keep you up to date as details come in on that. It's, it's, uh, there's a whole bunch of different levels. So keep praying for them. Keep praying for us as we look to be involved in mission, both locally and globally. Uh, so what we're going to do now, church, is move into communion. So I want to just give you a few seconds to go ahead and grab your elements, grab your bread and grab your, your juice. And then we'll get going here just in a few moments. I think one of the, the most important things for us church is to remember the significance of the Lord's Supper, of communion. It's easy, it can be easy to just get into this rhythm or routine where taking part in communion like we do as a church, every first Sunday of the month becomes this almost like a religious rite or a ritual, and all of a sudden we lose the, the significance and the depth and the importance that's underneath communion. Really what this is about is about us understanding God's heart for us. It's about us understanding that God loves us so much. He loves us so much that he sent Jesus to live this life, this perfect life, to become obedient, even obedient to death on a cross and and to go into the grave And we remember that the grave couldn't hold him because he was perfect. And we remember that the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that you and I have when we confess Jesus as our Lord. And, and this is all about that, that significant relationship, the, the, the heart of God for us. And so as we partake in the elements today, I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to take moments to consider the great, great love that God has for us. So I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 11, and this is Paul after he's spoken to the Corinthian church. And he gives them directions and a reminder of what Jesus actually said on the night When he shared this this meal with his disciples. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he said, This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Allow yourself to enter into that place. Allow yourself to consider what it meant for Jesus' body to be broken and then take and eat.
1: And so, Father, even as we eat, we remember that you went
2: to the cross and conquered death. That you went and you overcame it. That you went and your body was broken. All of this so that death actually can't touch us. Death is a doorway for us. It's, it's a movement into your presence, but there's no eternal grab on us. And so we thank you, Jesus, for that. We thank you.
1: We remember you. Amen. Amen.
2: In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And so church, this, this cup is the new covenant. This cup is what Jesus held before his disciples and said, I'm going, I'm going to the cross. My, my body is going to be broken. My blood will be shed. They still didn't understand it but we understand it now. And as we take part in this, when we remember Jesus, when we remember the significance of what he's done for us, when we remember that he's made a way for us to live in fullness, we take part in the new covenant. And so I want to invite you, church. I want to invite you to take the cup and to drink it. Remember Jesus. Remember his heart for you. Remember that the new covenant means that we have the chance to live into fullness, into joy, into abundance.
1: And so, Lord, we thank you.
2: We thank you for the new covenant. We thank you that, that both the bread and the cup demonstrate in, in such a real and a tangible way. Your love for us. And the potential that we have to live and walk in freedom. The potential, Lord, that we have to live life fearlessly. And so we praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen, church. Amen. So good. So good to to take a moment and to remember our God isn't a distant God who's uninvolved and, and disinterested with us. Our God is a God who is present, who is near, who adores us. He wants nothing more than for us really truly to receive what he's prepared. And so I just want to encourage you, church, grab on to what God has for you, and let's grab on together. We're going to move into ministry and giving time right now. Uh, church, I know that I was, I was speaking with one of our friends and, and there was reluctance to press the pray button for a number of reasons. One was there was this fear that maybe their name would show up and they would know we would know that they're in this prayer room. Nobody, when you click the prayer button, it goes, Completely confidentially to one of our prayer partners. Uh, another concern a, a friend of ours had was that it it feels too it feels too remote. It feels inauthentic or like they can't see. If you start the the prayer that way, you can ask that person um, to exchange a phone number, and then you can actually move to a telephone prayer, or you could uh, move, arrange a time to come and meet either at CMC or at their house for prayer this week. There's a reality, church. We need to keep pressing in. We need to keep praying for one another. So don't hesitate. Click that button, and and let's press in together. I want to thank you for your generosity. I want to thank you for keeping on giving. As you give, you're being obedient to God who's called us, and to set money aside as a demonstration of our adoration that he comes first. Uh, It's also a way that we join in mission, both our our mission here as well as our mission globally. So thank you, church. Uh, I bless you this week. Have an amazing week, and we'll see you soon.